And now, broadcasting from atop a secret location somewhere on Fort Myers Beach, Florida, it's How About That with Brian Howe. And now, your host, Brian Howe. Yes, indeed. Welcome to How About That. Good morning, good afternoon, good afternoon and good evening, and once again, good night. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you enjoy tonight's show. I've got a, a, a remarkable guest who is a, a very informed person on, on one of my favorite subjects right now. And uh, I have to introduce you to Dr. Martha Rosenfall, who is a professor of neuroscience, stroke physiology at Florida Gulf Coast University. She has a PhD in neuroscience from UCLA. She's an MS in neuropharmacology from Brown University and a BA in biology at the University of Virginia. And Martha is uh, a very well-informed person about marijuana. And as we know that uh, recently in, 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 in Florida, marijuana has become, shall we say, technically not legal, but legal, if you know what I mean, because the feds um, are not playing ball with with uh, sensibilities of America, but uh, that's another subject, I'm sure. But uh, welcome aboard, Martha. It's, it's a great pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. And um, where are you based now? I'm in Fort Myers. Oh, you're in Fort Myers. So you're just yes. down the road from my secret compound. Right. <laughs> yes. Very, very I'm good. here. At, I'm at Florida Gulf Coast University. There we go. Wonderful. It's a wonderful university, too, with a tremendous soccer program there, too, I believe. Um, along with many other myriad of, of, of wonderful programs. Now, you've, you've, you've written some textbooks. Um, I see one is called Mind, Body, and Society, along with Sam Walsh. You've been teaching a class at Florida Gulf University in Fort Myers called Weed, the Impact <laughs> of Marijuana. Yes. That's amazing because I'll be perfectly candid with you, Martha. I was put off of marijuana when I was 16 and I you know street weed back then was relatively weak I suppose compared to some of the breeds you get now or the, some of the um the the hybrid stuff you can get now which has been mixed with who knows what but um I was put off for the best part of 40 years from uh, from uh, from the horrible effects that I had when I mixed heroic amounts of pot on one evening <laughs> with with an equal amount of alcohol and the end result was somewhat tragic and i and i and i will tell you that it put me off marijuana i i had the horrors i had i was seeing things and i was feeling things that i, I don't want to feel again yeah. and it, it put me off for 40 odd years i'm sorry you had a bad experience I really so did. I really did. And, and, and the thing that, that um, I want to start with you, Mary, uh, Mary, <laughs> Martha, is what happened? What, what, why, why is marijuana such a still a, a taboo subject amongst many, many societies? Well, not maybe societies, but certain sh stripes of, of society. There are certain areas where people still think that it's um, almost... Um, religiously wrong, I, I suppose you could put it, that it, 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 you should not take this natural substance into your body. The government has certainly helped to feed that and uh, by banning it. When, when was marijuana very first 
when did it first occur in, in, in society, Martha? Well, it, it's a plant, so it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. And some of the first uh, medical reports on it are more than 5,000 years old. People have been using this plant for therapeutic purposes. And it's it was legal for most of human society, and certainly most of American society, it was legal, it was accepted. You could get it from the Sears Roebuck catalog, you could get it at your corner drugstore. Um, and mm. it became illegal the same way that almost every single drug becomes illegal in America. It starts with a racial bias, honestly, a racial or a socioeconomic status bias. And there's this perception that, oh, well, when we you know are doing it it's just fine but oh my god the they you know people of color or people who are uh, who have less money or whatever that's when the laws start coming and it, it's kind of similar as what happened with with marijuana well that's interesting you say that because i've there, there are several stories there are several reasons that people give for why marijuana was was subdued and and actually made illegal and and of course one that i i, I read quite recently was because it was due to the DuPont brothers who had invented something called nylon. And at the time of that being invented, hemp, um, of course, was used for ropes. It was used for clothing. It was used for a myriad of different um, products. And the DuPont brothers, now this may or may not be true. I don't know. I'm asking you. Um, the DuPont brothers lobbied the government and uh, supposedly um, swung through um, a, a reason to ban uh, hemp or marijuana because they wanted their nylon to predominate the marketplace when it came to ropes and clothing. And, and, and if that's true, it worked pretty damn well. Yeah. It looks like they did play a role. Um, a lot of it came from this man, Harry Anslinger, and he was the first... Uh, director of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, which is basically like the DEA today. And he got his start uh, with prohibition. He wanted to ban alcohol. And so since 1920, alcohol was banned, 1920 to the 30s was banned. And he was appointed as the director of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics in 1930. Now, 1929 started the Depression. And so he's going into this and the, you know, the government, there's no money. And he had to justify his budget as the Federal uh, Bureau of Narcotics. And so he looked for a new drug to make a monster out of. And think about it, it's the Depression. And at the time, there's a lot of Mexican immigration coming in because there was the Mexican Revolution. And so Mexicans were coming into the country. They're still and, coming. They're actually still oh, coming. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, there's a lot of parallels. So they're coming mm. to the country and they're bringing more of the uh, smoking marijuana. And he's looking around. It's like, and I'm making air quotes. You have to see me making air quotes that they're taking jobs from real Americans. And so he started to vilify the drug marijuana because he had to justify his budget for the department uh, against narcotics. And right. so he started to post all these articles about how it's the worst drug in the whole wide world and it makes people go insane. And William Randolph Hearst got involved and helped publish the articles. And the DuPont brothers were also against hemp because they had nylon. And it kind of snowballed to be this, oh my God, the worst drug in the whole wide world. And so in 1937, they made the Marijuana Tax Act, ah. which was a very sneaky thing. It was really kind of cool and sneaky because there was no laws against the drug. It was a tax act. So 
they said you could still get this drug, but you had to bring your marijuana to the government and then they would um, give you a tax stamp saying it's okay. But they didn't make any tax stamps. So you would show up with your weed and they'd say, ah, you don't have a stamp, go to prison. So very sneaky. Wow. Very, 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 very. So up until a certain point, though, uh, presumably marijuana was perfectly legal and perfectly mm-hmm. well used and, and, and not abused. I mean, we, we, we almost touched on, on, on something there with the government involvement called Reefer Madness, which, of course, was a propaganda <laughs> video that was put out, I think, in 1930, some, 1938 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that seemed to, to really convince an awful lot of white people that, um, that marijuana was indeed the devil's, the devil's weed, I suppose they called it, right? Yep, devil's lettuce. I've heard that one too, which makes me giggle. Uh, but yeah, for decades, the propaganda that was out there, I mean, if you've ever seen Reefer Madness, it's kind of hilarious. People take one hit and they bash people to death with frying pans and they run them over in their cars and people just went insane. And people started to believe this, even though those who had used it knew there was no truth to it whatsoever. But the laws started to get harsher and harsher and harsher. And uh, the hmm. this was in place until 1970 when Nixon replaced it with the uh, uh, Controlled Substances Act. Hmm. Interesting. So Nixon was involved. Of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> you do surprise me. Um, so let's uh, let's have a look here. So what do you think? I mean, we're now heading down a whole new road with marijuana when it comes to Florida. Anyway, I can't speak for any other part of the country, although I know Colorado is pretty prominent and now making an awful lot of tax dollars from the usage of marijuana. And I suppose that many, many people thought from the from the beginning that if we do legalize this and do allow it to even become medicinal, there is going to be a worldwide um, outbreak of stupidity regarding marijuana, <laughs> oh, you know? And don't we have it already? Everyone's, <laughs> well, well, that's through lack of education. Okay. But, but uh, when it comes to marijuana, I mean, I'm sure people were thinking, if we let these people smoke it willy-nilly, even if it's medicinal, it's going to uh, raise the crime rate, it's going to cause problems, people are going to be stealing. <laughs> I mean, I've smoked pot recently because I d- am now a medical marijuana recipient and 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 i'll be candid with you i I take it because i do suffer bouts of incredible anxiety and i do find that it does help i also have a trouble sleeping and i and i did not want to get into the narcotic you know road yep and i explained that to a to a marijuana doctor who is now my 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 prominent marijuana doctor and he prescribed me certain types of marijuana that would assist in my sleeping and not getting so anxious. And I have to say that I'm sleeping better now than I have in years. Yep. And how do you find marijuana working? I mean, do you find that there are uses? What sort of uses can you say are there? I mean, I know that the sleep thing obviously is beneficial to me. Anxiety is a is a worldwide problem. Xanax is the commonly f- prescribed drug, um, which is very addictive, and I don't think it's necessarily good for you. So, is pot a reasonable answer? It really is. There's we need more research. I need to say that first. Um, 
But what we have keeps supporting it and supporting it. I'll give you just a little bit of science. There's something called the endocannabinoid system. And mm-hmm. basically it's a serious, it's throughout your body and our bodies make a natural form of THC, basically, of THC, CBD. It's called uh, anandamide and 2-AG. So our bodies make it. And there are receptors throughout our entire body that these drugs bind to. And the endocannabinoid system is involved with sleep and appetite and anxiety and forgetting and and relaxation and, and a whole bunch of things. It is the most widespread receptor system that we have. It's everywhere. And so when you there's strong Mm -hmm. scientific reasons why this drug works because it binds these receptors that are throughout your whole body and there's some good evidence it helps with sleep um, and it helps with anxiety and helps with quite a few things and we're we're figuring out exactly how it does because it's the most complex system i've ever studied and you know cbd for instance binds to i think it's up to 65 separate types of receptors in the body so it binds to serotonin and dopamine and opioids and gabin all these things that already exist in our body it it affects them all and so it has effects on so many systems so we actually have inbuilt um some people would say god-given um the receptors for the drug yes we do which is rather amazing for those that are the of the religious type that would be anti-marijuana and anti-drugs but our bodies have been pre-designed and i say pre-designed because i suppose they didn't develop because of the usage of marijuana they 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 were there prior to the usage of marijuana am i right in saying that yeah, it even looks like we had these receptors before the cannabis plant was first grew. So th- this is like millions of years old because all animals have this. Every animal has this endocannabinoid system, and it seems to be before the plant. So right. maybe the cannabis plant evolved because we had the receptors. Well, that's interesting because obviously if you are a, 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 a Christian, let's say Christian or a religious person or whatever, and you believe that um, God doesn't make mistakes, then then he designed us the way he wanted us designed. And then you have to say, well, what does God say now? Does he, does he look down and go, oh, shit, I left the pot down there. <laughs> it sometimes is crazy. I, I believe that all the substances we need to cure pretty much any ailment that I believe is here. It's in the rainforest, it's under the ocean. I think it's all here. And mm-hmm. then we put these ridiculous laws. Cannabis should not be Schedule 1. It does no. not fit the criteria at all. And so I think a lot of it is already here. While we're, while we're talking God, I do. I want to mention that in Exodus 30.23, God instructs Moses to make a holy oil of myrrh, sweet cinnamon, cannabosin, and cassia. And a lot of religious scholars believe that cannabosin is cannabis. Good old Jesus. Good old God. Yes. Well done, sir. Well done. That's, 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 no, I think that's really fascinating because, you know, it is the religious aspect of, of things that is normally on a, a major downer on, 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 on marijuana. And I know people that will never touch it because it is deemed still the devil's weed or the devil's lettuce or, or whatever it is. And it's, it's interesting that, um, God let us have these uh, sensors to to to, to ultimately use marijuana, and yet it's still being denied. Um, 
those of us that do smoke marijuana, or, and I say smoke, I mean, now I think the, I don't know if it's medically accepted, but what do you think about the difference between, or is there a difference really health-wise between smoking um, a, 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 a joint, let's, say, let's call it a joint, where you light with, as per a cigarette, or you vape it? Is there a is there a, a a beneficial side to either of? What a great question! Um, people have been smoking marijuana for a long time, and people are turning against it because a joint will create tars, and there are carcinogenic substances in there when you smoke because you combust it. But we don't see increased rates of lung cancer, even in people who smoke a lot. Um, now we obviously do see increased rates of lung cancer in those who smoke tobacco. Interestingly enough, it, when people who smoke tobacco and cannabis have lower rates of lung cancer than those who just smoke tobacco. So we do see some potential hmm. anti-cancer effects in cannabis. And so that might be protecting it. Now, not everyone wants to smoke. Vaping is a way you, you burn, but you don't burn it. You don't set the plant material on fire. You vaporize it at a lower temperature that doesn't produce the tars. We do need more data on it because there's a lot of times the solvent is something called propylene glycol. We don't know what long-term effects of inhaling propylene glycol are. Um, and that's something we will discover. It's something we need to do research on. But I do personally, I think smoking is a viable route of administration. Yeah. Uh, people believe that edibles, for instance, are the safest route. In my mind, they're one of the least safe routes. <laughs> um, more people end up in the ER after eating it, ingesting it, than they do after smoking it, because just of the nature of what your body does to it when it's when you eat it. Well, there's no control, is there? You, you exactly. don't know what the dosage is going to be. And, and and I was at a party once with a good friend of mine who, who in in his defence, he did not know that these were pot um, cookies, and somebody had put a sign on there saying these are marijuana cookies but somebody else had taken the sign thrown it and my buddy walks in and he's hungry and he's oh eaten about five or six of these things and we didn't see him again for 10 days yeah. <laughs> yes but that's what happens it's like, okay so you it takes like 60 to 90 minutes to kick in when you oh, yeah. ingest an edible so you have one you think oh didn't work let's have another oh maybe one more and then you eat it and you get the munchies and you have two more uh, yep. and so you're going to have more than a body is comfortable with and when you ingest it, it's it's metabolized, something called 11-hydroxy-THC, which is more potent. And so not only are you ingesting, possibly ingesting more, but it's converted into a more potent form. And that's a problem. Now, if you know this and you take it uh, under with that knowledge and you watch your dosage, it can be very effective for long-term, you know, you have chronic pain. It'll hold you for eight hours. But oh. we got to get the education out there. Yeah, let me ask you this then. Has the FDA actually studied marijuana? Well, the FDA, since it's Schedule 1, that's a big no. They actually make it more difficult to study marijuana than, than heroin, the other another Schedule 1 drug. They put a lot of uh, barriers in the way to studying cannabis. Now, is it being done? Yes, it is. And we're getting more and more research. So some of it's out of the country. Israel is one of the top researchers for cannabis. But we're hmm. also, we have anecdotal information. We have, um, you could, in states that it's legal, 
you can, looking at CBD, we're looking at THC, we get epidemiological, but they make it really hard to get the federally approved grant in the federal cannabis. And actually the stuff you get from the government is crap. It's the FDA won't even approve its use in a phase three clinical trial because it's awful. It's stems, it's seeds, it's, it's really low THC. It has mold, it has lead, it's awful. And hmm. so, yeah, uh, there is research being done, but it's not approved for, for the most part. There are a few studies, but the government makes it very difficult. Interesting. So I, I've also been told by another friend of mine who is not a pot smoker that pot smoking actually um, stunts the mental growth of, of youngsters. If, if, if a young, when I say youngsters, let's say uh let's say 16 a, a, mm -hmm. a person of 16 if they were to start smoking pot and i'm not suggesting they they would just be smoking them from morning to night but certainly um infrequent users maybe um or even medium users um does it stunt the growth it, does it do something to a young person's brain to stop them from developing in a way that um uh, and, and uh, a person not smoking pot would develop? It's a good question. It's hard to analyze. Now, one of the functions that cannabis does have is for forgetting. It helps you forget bad things. So it is not the ideal cognitive substances. It can, it hurts concentration. It can hurt memory. Now, when you're throwing that into an adolescent brain, adolescent brain is still developing. A brain isn't really done cooking until you're in your mid-20s. So when you throw any drug in there, including alcohol, it does have an impact. Or it can, let me say, it can have an impact on a developing brain. Now, what is heavy use and what is light use? And, and it depends on everybody's brain. Everyone's brain is different. Everyone's endocannabinoid system is different. There was a study in New Zealand that suggested there can be a decrease in IQ in people who started smoking during adolescence. But there are some issues with it. They didn't control for socioeconomic status, and that may play a stronger role. So I don't have an hmm. easy peasy answer to highlight and memorize. My gut is any drug you throw in an adolescent brain might influence the development of the brain. So it's better to wait till you're an adult for pretty much it any drug for any drug yeah 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 yeah. alcohol included right uh, very much so alcohol definitely affects the developing brain and it's is a much more dangerous drug much more dangerous so if we were talking one to ten on a, mm -hmm. on a danger scale mm -hmm. where would you put marijuana and where would you put alcohol uh, well can i tell you something called the therapeutic index can I actually like give you a number? There's a, a, it's a ratio, yeah. but it's easy. So there's something called a therapeutic index, and it's a ratio of how, one ratio of how dangerous a drug is. It's a measure of the lethal dose of the effective dose, and the lower the number it is, the more dangerous it is. So if let's okay. say four drinks gets you drunk, and if you do 24 in an hour, you got a 50-50 chance of dying on the spot. So a therapeutic index is about a six. And the hmm. lower the number is, the more dangerous it is. So uh, cocaine, for instance, is about a 15. Morphine is about a 70. Some estimate that marijuana is as high as 40,000. There's been no known overdose deaths due to ingestion of cannabis. So cannabis is one of the safest drugs that I know of on this earth. Uh, psilocybin is another 
pretty safe drug this magic mushrooms uh-huh. alcohol is one of the more dangerous drugs it's easy to overdose it causes widespread organ damage with heavy use yeah. you know can you have a drink you know and that ne- doesn't necessarily cause damage but alcohol is may belong as a schedule one drug but it's certainly not going to be mm. yeah I- i'm with you on that now moving on just just from that I- I- i'm I've been studying a guy, and I'm sure you're very familiar with this chap. His name is Rick Simpson. He's he's been sure. he's been chased around quite a bit by authorities and mm-hmm. and, and and whatever. And now I think has has left the U.S. But he seems to have some pretty strong evidence that the particular oil that Rick Simpson um, creates um, from cannabis, not from hemp, but from mm-hmm. cannabis, um, is certainly having some very vital effect against things like cancer he's having success with stage four cancer victims um i know that he he uh doesn't sell a product because that would be illegal but he does give advice and he does help people to and he and, and his success rate is i would suggest higher than going no i don't know this factually but i'm guessing that the chemo route um, for cancer is is a is a very harsh treatment, and it's it really is a poison that you're putting into your body, and you're hoping that the body can survive longer than the illness. Is is this how I I look at it? Yeah. And uh, so, do you think pot or or, or marijuana oil um, is truly beneficial for those people suffering from cancers? Oh, I do. Uh, it, it... It decreases the symptoms of chemotherapy is one aspect of it, but it does seem to have some anti-tumor, anti-metastasis, anti-neoplastic, anti, uh, generally anti-cancer effects in a whole bunch of different ways. It makes the cells, the cancer cells, so they can't travel. It makes the cells die. It does a lot of different things. But I do have to say, we definitely need more research on this. And it doesn't, cancer is not one disease. There's different levels of success for different types of cancer. Hmm. And physicians are not right now recommending that people don't do the traditional methods. They use perhaps cannabis in addition to it. But as we gather more information, I do believe that we are going to see some potent anti-cancer effects of cannabis. But we need more data, and it depends on the kind of cancer. Well, here's some interesting news for you, and I'm not sure if, if you're aware of this, but the federal government have now authorized the usage of a new synthetic cannabis, and they are now making it able to be um, prescribed by doctors. Now, why do you think this is? Why do you think the government takes it upon themselves to... Um, try to eradicate the usage of a natural product and 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 replace it with their synthetic version. It's uh, it all comes down to money. You know, you can't patent a plant. Uh, well, some forms you can, but yeah, and it's it actually is worse. So they have they've had synthetic forms of THC, Marinol has been around for decades, yeah. and it does not work as well. There's something called the ensemble effect or the entourage effect that if you just take THC or just take CBD, it is not as effective as taking whole plant because there's there's 500 different substances in the plant and, and 144 different uh, cannabinoids and there's things called terpenes, and they all work together synergistically and make the, the 
it better than it was with just THC or just CBD. Now, when you just take that synthetic pill, you have more side effects. It actually binds the receptors more powerfully than THC in a bad way. So you have more side effects and you're losing all the benefits of the CBD and the terpenes and all the other things. And so it's not as effective, but it's, it's more controlled. You know, you get a certain dose. There is Uh that, but uh, I lean more towards whole plants and yeah. lose a little of the, the the definite dosage, but there's a lot of benefits. But I, I agree with that. But but what what? How do doctors decide what the required dose is? It, it's great it's, question. It's uh, how do they do it? I mean, some people obviously are more. Um, reactive to to marijuana than other people so is it just a uh, is it like a a suck it and see thing is it or do doctors really know roughly what a dosage should should be there's some rough estimates but it truly is personalized individualized um medicine which when i was first learning about this made me wave my arms in the air and shout and say oh it's not medicine but i've i've done a 180 it is medicine and it's medicine that honors the patient, not the pill. Because mm-hmm. what we're doing is they stay start low, go slow. You figure it out for yourself. Everybody is different. And so what works for you? And that's going to be different than works for everybody else because everyone has a different endocannabinoid system, has different conditions, has different tolerance. And if you start taking too much, actually there's there's a biphasic dose response curve la la with cannabis that you're going to start to have bad effects you're going to have the opposite effects so like Mm. at high doses of cannabis people start throwing up rather than decreasing nausea and vomiting Mm. i've done that it's bad don't do that again (laughs) everybody is different and so we don't have the exact dose that everyone can take but that's okay it wouldn't be okay i don't think with opioids because you're just playing around and figuring it out. That can kill you. But because cannabis is safe and so personalized and so different in everybody, I do believe it's okay to say start low, go slow, watch your body, figure out how you're feeling, and find what works for you. Hmm. Okay. Now, how well versed are you on the legal aspect of, of marijuana and traveling with it and, and whatever? Because one of my burning questions and something that I, has genuinely been interesting me for a while, because sometimes I do fly with it. Yeah. And um, I often wonder if I'm flying from here, let's say to Colorado, and both states are, are legal with medical marijuana and I have a prescription and I have the correct tablet uh, tablet i have the correct uh, vape pens for for my my condition what is the law regarding that if i'm traveling from one state that allows it to another state that allows it i'm presupposing that i could still be in trouble you could still be in trouble because it's the federal airline aviation you know it's federal and federally it's a schedule one drug and so yeah and no I know people who do travel with it, but I know people who won't travel with it. And then they get to the state they're traveling and they don't have their medicine. So it is, the laws are so, it's a mess. It's so ambiguous. You know, you can be in a state that it's legal, but federally it's illegal. Technically, you could still get arrested, even though it's legal in your state. 
because it's federally scheduled one. And that was the, the Cole memo and the Ogden memo, if you heard about those and what Jeff Session rescinded back in 2018. It, it, he was saying, ah, we're going after you anyway. But mm. it, it really is up in the air. And it depends on so many factors, which is... <sighs> It's bad when laws are that ambiguous because people don't know what they're supposed to do. It's probably going to come down to a lawsuit, isn't it? Somebody is going to get busted and they're going to contest it and and it's going to become a legal aspect. And, mm-hmm. and that could open up some doors, I think. Yeah, well, we're already starting to see that. There was... so. If you have your medical cannabis card and you get drug tested in a company, they can fire you. But in New England, there's some laws that say, no, no, we can't if you have your medical card. But in other states, they still can. So right now, legally, it's a mishmash. Yeah. And yeah, which makes it very confusing. It really does. And it's it's really becoming a problem, I think. But um, Yes. But tell me about the states that actually have now legalized marijuana. I know California is 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 is, is way ahead of us, and 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 also Colorado is is. Mm-hmm. I think most states in, actually in uh, in the states are now um, uh, ahead of us. So we we seem to be slow slow to, to 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 get into this. But how has it panned out economically for the for the states that have allowed? Yeah, the almost the free use. Let's say even for um, what do you call it? Um, uh, without a prescription, you just do it. Recreational. 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 Yeah. Sorry, John. I didn't mean to. So there are ten states that it is legal for adult use. So it's kind of cool. About twenty-five percent of Americans now live in a state where legal adult use is is on the books. Hmm. Um, the money. Yeah. I mean, you tax the hell out of this and you make money. So I think Colorado lost the exact number. I could look it up, but it's hundreds of millions of dollars that yeah. can be used for education, that can be used for programs, that can be used for you know, getting people off of other drugs. So certainly um, it's a boost economically, sometimes not as much as people assume it's going to be. And there can be actually some economic downsides. And they saw this in Colorado in that, because you can't use a federal bank because it's a schedule one drug mm-hmm. federally it's a cash business yeah and so you're doing all this in cash and they kind of have to do something with the cash if you can't put it in all the banks and so there's been a real estate boom in colorado yeah, and it's, kind of, it's pushed people out of the market because they're buying up land they're buying up properties and now the real estate has gone through the roof and people are having trouble <laughs> buying houses so for the average person on the street there can be some negative things going on um, economically um, some other changes this I, I do have to mention this. this is a really significant change we're seeing in states that have medical marijuana is a 25, almost 25% reduction in opioid overdose death. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's just because it gets people off of the opioids, which can kill you. And even if you stay on the opioids with the cannabis, you need a much lower dose of the opioids. And so we're seeing a big decrease in death due to opioid use because of medical cannabis. Well, you see, I was under the impression that people that are, are into the opioid um, choice would would not be into trying cannabis because it has pretty much the opposite effect, correct? I mean, opioids, what do they do? They just get you... Uh, I, I, I've got to tell you, I, I'm a singer. I'm a songwriter. I've, I've been in the music business for over 50 years, mm-hmm. and I've never got into drugs. I've never, ever taken a tablet or, or a... 
um, or a needle or, or a spoon or, 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 or the or the powder, or, or the <laughs> rubbish that these idiots seem to think they need to have a career. Um, I, I, I've never seen a happy ending with these people. Yeah. But um, when it comes to the friends that I know that have or used to have a dependency on opioids, they don't want pot. It doesn't appear appeal to them. It doesn't do anything for them because well, this is what they claim. Or is it just because they just love their opioids? <laughs> probably they love their opioids. Um, it's not as strong. Um, and it depends why they're doing it. So if people on opioids for pain, they might not want to be on opioids. But if it's, you know, if heroin is your thing and you love how it makes you feel, that might be your drug. But it, if it could get, if cannabis can get people off of these dangerous drugs, then that is one more benefit. Yeah, now, can I mean, some people get dependent on, on cannabis? Yes. Um, it's much lower rates and it's much, it, it won't kill you. But some people out there think you cannot get addicted to marijuana. Of course you can. But it's just you're not nearly as likely as you are to get addicted to opioids, for instance, or, or to nicotine or alcohol. It's a lower rate of dependence. Interesting. So what would the effects be on, a let's say, a team? Um, we know that opioids don't work with teens because <laughs> the evidence is there, but, um, what are the effects do you think if a teen was to use pot for anxiety and depression as a teen while, while the brain is still developing? Do you think that's, that's a feasible way to go or should, should they stick to more, shall we say, respectable drugs for oh, it's in the respectable drugs you got uh, antidepressants which a lot of evidence suggests they don't really work you have xanax which mm -hmm. you know is a is a more dangerous drug so i you know i'm a believer in some non-pharmaceutical methods it's like yeah. we love drugs in america and we hate them and we love pills and we want a quick easy solution but let's uh, mindful meditation has some power as powerful effects as a neuroscientist i'm saying that it changes your brain i wish we could encourage some other routes you know get them into music <laughs> um, right get right. them exercise and do these other things a lot of the anxiety now there is a biological basis of anxiety but some of it could just be what's going on in your life and we could address some of those things right but so cannabis for adolescents uh it's hard to say because it depends on how much they're using and, and we don't know what long-term effects might be. Well, as, as with everybody, there's going to be kids that treat the drug with respect and mm -hmm. with common sense. And you're going to have the other fools that just want to just do it willy-nilly and, 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 and basically screw up and just do whatever they can and get it down them and, and enjoy the, the, the after effects. It's, it's just odd. But um, having said that, where do you see this going? I mean, do you, do you think this is going to be legal recreationally everywhere in America or even the world? I mean, do you think it's a natural natural movement towards becoming um, legalized? I mean, I'm not sure I want to see... I live on a, on, a, on a very small island called Fort Myers Beach, not a million <laughs> miles from you, of course. And uh, I've got to tell you, we have a population down here, probably 
in my age group, actually, when I think about it, they're in their 60s and they come down as snowbirds. They drive like snails now <laughs> and they drive incredibly badly, to be honest with you. I don't think pot is going to help these people. It's going to it's going to slow them down and uh, pretty much freeze them in, into position. I mean, I, I just don't know if everyone should be smoking marijuana. Of course not. Not every, no, not everyone should, of course not, be smoking marijuana recreationally. But I don't know how much of a deterrent it is. Uh, I don't know. There's certainly some people who might want to do it, but don't because of the loss. Yes, that will. it is a deterrent. But not as much a deterrent as it is for other drugs. And so people who want to smoke are smoking anyway, even though it's illegal. So if it is legalized, I don't... It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think there will be an initial increase in use, but then it might not be the forbidden fruit. It might not be such a big deal. We, we've seen a slight decrease in adolescent use in, Can in Colorado. And maybe hmm. that's because they're looking at it. It's like, oh, it's grandpa's medicine. That's not cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't yeah, know what's yeah, going yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah. But it, it, it's hard to say. I don't know what will happen when we throw yet another drug into the mix. Because in America, we, we have the highest rate of opioid use in the world. We have the second highest rate, second or I think second of cocaine. We love our drugs. Mm -hmm. And... Huh, we need to find other outlets other you know, to deal with our emotions, to have some fun, other than just throwing a drug into the mix. Now, as I've said, cannabis is certainly safer than cocaine. It's certainly safer, safer than opioids. But can everyone handle it? No. No, no. I, I know that when I was younger, like I said, when I was 16, I certainly couldn't handle uh, marijuana <laughs> by any stretch. I was seeing clowns. Oh, well, clouds are scary. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm serious. I was seeing some weird stuff. But um, changing subject just a tad. Everywhere I go now, every single shop, and there are shops opening up specifically for the sale of, uh, of CBD oil. Um, I have my doubts as to whether... Now, I'm sure that there are CBD oils that are genuine and that are made um, properly and, and do have some sort of um, assistance, shall we say, in helping people. Um, but I've got a gut feeling that a lot of these CBDs, people are jumping on the bandwagon and they are just basically snake oil and nothing works. Brian, you are 100% right. Now, CBD, I think, has some remarkable potential effects. It's some of the research coming out. It's, it's, it does a lot. It's anti-inflammatory and antioxidant and neuroprotective and antidepressant and anti-anxiety. It does so many things. We, of course, need more research. Um, it, it actually blocks the high from THC. It blocks some of the anxiety effects or some of the bad effects of THC. It blocks those. But it is, it's not it's ambiguous what its legal status is and all just as you're saying all these things that are popping up some of them are good there are some good companies out there and some of them are they're not cbd who knows what's in there because it's not regulated at this point so it needs to be regulated and if you are going to get cbd get one that has third-party testing that you can go on a web page or scan a barcode and see your batch and see what it has in it. Because when they've looked at this, 
um, they did, it was just published in JAMA a couple of years ago, Journal of American Medical Association a couple of years ago, that I believe was 70% of what they bought in CBD online did not have the amount of CBD they said it would. Oh, some wow. of them had none. Some of them had too much. Some had less, but they weren't accurately labeled. So, But there are places, and so look for those places that have third-party testing that you can check what you are getting. Because hmm. otherwise, who the hell knows? Hmm. So, But is it true, Martha, is, is it true that CBD without a small hint of THC doesn't work or can't work because it needs to be fired off by THC? A great question. Uh, that whole ensemble effect, the entourage effect, if you get a full spectrum, if you get the CBD that also has some terpenes at least in it, in a teeny weeny bit of THC, it does work yeah. better than just CBD. I'm not going to say it does not work because there's evidence that suggests us the isolate does have an effect. It does, but it works better with right. the other cannabinoids and the other terpenes. Now, you've mentioned terpenes three times now. Because they're think, cool. I think they're oh, I, so. I love the name. You know, I, I just I just want to keep saying terpenes. You know, I think it's a very sexy, sexy word, actually. But um, I, don't what know what are well, I don't know what terpenes are. And I'm yeah, sure that anyone yeah, listening it doesn't understand it either. So could you just let us know what terpenes are or terpenes? I'm English, so terpenes for me, <laughs> um, terpenes for you. Um, are they able to be blended and, and developed in, in, into helping treat specific illnesses or, or is it just potluck? Well, what, what terpenes are, and thank you for calling me on this, I should have defined them. Terpenes are when a, a lemon or a lavender or ro a, a plants that have a smell to them, it's terpenes causing the smell. Okay. And aromatherapy sounds very woo-woo, but there's truth to it because the molecules in the lemon, in the pine, go right to a part of your brain called the hypothalamus, which controls really? so many things. So there's truth to the terpenes that, that these substances have a physiological effect on us. Cannabis has, oh gosh, a hundred, but really eight of them that uh, that are make up most of, that are the most common ones. And they have effects. One called myrcene is a sedative and one called pinene can wake you up. So they, they do have effects and you can get the terpenes and different chemovars or strains of cannabis plants some of them have higher of one level and others have higher of another and that played along with the uh, cannabinoids has a powerful physiological effect wow so you, yeah you can it's really cool <laughs> i mean you could just you can play with the terpenes and it terpenes alone may play more of a role than they say is it sativa or is it indica and that really kind of is meaningless at this point because they're all hybrids but what terpenes are in different strains that might be really important what the effect is yeah i must admit when i go to my dispensary and uh, and I'm looking at the, at the variable things that I could buy. It's either a sativa or it's the uh, the other one. What's the, the indica. The, the indica, which is what I take. I, I take the indica because I have found that even if I take a hybrid of sativa and uh, the other one, <laughs> yeah. um, it sends me through a loop still, just a little bit. Not, not as bad as it used to. So what is it about... Um, the differences i mean what are the effects really i mean and what would they be? obviously I, I take the other one for for sleeping and, and and relaxation which i do desperately need um so why would people want to take the other one 
well, I, I, I do have to say that the sativa in, in indica, maybe a hundred years ago, there was a difference between them and one is a taller, thinner and one's a shorter plant, but they've been so crossbred and so hybridized that they kind of use sativa and indica as shorthand for what it will do to you. So a sativa maybe has different terpenes in it or different substances that's going to be more energizing. And the, the indica that's going to be shorthand for a strain of cannabis that is more relaxing. So it's not so much that it comes from an indica plant because uh, nope, that doesn't mean anything more, but it is more relaxing. Might be more of the CBD or, or might be more of the different terpenes. Hmm. Interesting. And, and I have to dive in for anxiety. I hope you will also look into meditation and some of the other things because I'm anxiety girl too. And just like learn to breathe, you know, just take a breath, take a walk. Those things can matter, can really help too. And I hope I, people look for also non-pharmacological means of dealing yeah. with these things. Well, I must admit when it comes to my anxiety and because uh, I'm a warrior, you know, and, and I can't stop. I, I just don't know how to stop. I need to learn how to stop. I've tried. I want to say I've tried meditation. I haven't tried meditation because, quite frankly, it just seems so monotonous and boring to me. But I must admit, I must admit, uh, I do enjoy, although I'm out of the habit, uh, tomorrow I'm, I'm starting again, going for a five-mile walk every morning at a, at a decent pace. And it's it's amazing how that does unclog your mind it really um, does it makes a difference yeah so the th the things that get uh, i guess they're endorphins that get released in, oh in, no in... oh i gotta dive in here we used to think that whole the runner's high we used to think it was endorphins it's not it's your endocannabinoid system so the pain relief and the high isn't the opioids it's your endocannabinoids isn't that cool that is amazing that is, <laughs> that is absolutely wonderful news so i should be stoned before i go on the walk <laughs> that's marvelous news <laughs> that's great so martha where do you see america sitting now uh, around the world i mean are we are we riding the crest of this wave or oh, are we still no, sluggish <laughs> we are behind uh, but that's okay. You know, there's other countries that are doing what they need to do. Israel's one of the you know, best places for the research. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll start to catch up. We'll, we just need more research. No matter who is doing it, we need to get more research. And we need education. And yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I, I have to give a shout out to FGCU because we are really now committed to cannabis education. We're going to have a bunch of, of classes uh, that you can do, you major in integrated studies, but you can take a focus in cannabis. Um, I have to give a shout out for this uh, workshop that we're going to do from May 6th through 10th at FGCU. You can get a professional certificate in cannabis, and it's going to be a multidisciplinary certificate. It's a 40 hour intensive week, yeah. and you're going to learn about the laws and the history and the plant and how to extract and what it does to the body. We're going to talk about business and business opportunities. We're going to talk about how to add advocate, how to educate. It's going to be, I got experts coming in from all over to talk all things cannabis and help educate people and give them the certificate. So then if they want to get into the industry, they're going to have, look, yeah. they're the ones who are educated. So Martha, education you, on this. Yes, it, Brian. It sounds amazing. Would you mind taking a call oh, from, no. from, from a listener? Somebody, somebody, this is a guy called Little, Little Bill. Um, okay. uh, hello, Little Bill. Uh, that's little Bobby. 
there. I'm sorry, little Bobby. Little Bobby started calling last week, and I'm really not sure why he calls. To be honest with you, Martha, um, <laughs> I think he may be he may be a drug user or a drinker. I'm not. Which is it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a question for Doctor Martha? Well, I, my my neighbor. I told you last week. I don't I don't got no phone or, or no radio. But my neighbor came by. Came by. He's been listening to you, and he brought me his little flip top phone. And he said, "Y'all was talking about marijuana." Yes, sir. And then and and he was calling it a drug. Is it? He, he, he said he thought you guys called marijuana a drug. Of course, yes. it's a drug. Sure, it, it, it is a drug. Yes. No, no. I I, <laughs> I, 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 I beg to differ on that one right off the bat. Uh, marijuana is was put here by God. It grows in the ground. It's a it's it's a like fruit and like taters and maters. <laughs> and it's, it's it's all natural. Bobby, that's so a really interesting point. I got to ask no you: drug. Is opium a drug? Now, I can't hear. I hear some woman in the background. I can't hear. <laughs> is, opium, is, opium, is opium a drug? Well, yeah, because opium, they, they, you got, well, eh, yeah. Op they, opium they comes from a poppy. Cocaine poppy comes from a cocoa leaf. Many of our drugs that come from plants. You, it, you dry it and you smoke it. <laughs> that, that's God right there. No, that's, that's stupidity, little Billy. <laughs> No, and and you know you know the old joke you know you give five boys a uh, some crack and they're gonna there act go. up, but you give five boys some marijuana they're gonna put band together. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, good for music. Brian. Listen, Billy, thank thanks for calling in. It's a worthless Bobby, call, absolutely Bobby. worthless call. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow, I tell you. <laughs> If that's if that's the class of the listeners of this of this <laughs> podcast, I'm gonna I'm just gonna you smoke heroic amounts of pot immediately after this and just try and end it all. Um, <laughs> tell us about the marijuana class that you yourself have been teaching at Florida Gulf University, and and how did that come about? And is this the future? I mean, are people going to go to university and? and learn and study and become qualified in some field of, with, with, with marijuana? Sure. I mean, my life is education. So if people learn about anything, makes me happy. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing more and more and more schools that are starting to come on. We were one of the early ones, but they're going to start having programs in this. So how the class started is my colleague, Sam Walsh, said, I'm going to teach a course on weed and I found out about the next day and said, I am in. We are team teaching this class. <laughs> and uh, so we made it a, kind of a poo-poo platter, a multidisciplinary class, just kind of an overview of all things cannabis. So we had a section on history and the, the, the plant itself and what it does in the body and the business and the culture and all sorts of aspects of it. And then when the news found out about it, because we were the first undergraduate course in cannabis in Florida, 
that the floodgates opened. I mean, uh, industries came to us and said, we want to hire your students. And we said, oh my goodness, this is bigger than one class. And we formed the Cannabis Research, Education and Workforce Initiative here at FGCU. And so we have the nine courses in cannabis ready to go under the Integrated Studies major. We have this workshop for uh, people outside of the university. We have some research projects. Sam is working on getting our students internships and jobs. Um, and our wonderful upper administration, our president and provost funded this, which not every university would do that. And so we are dedicated to educating because it's learning the good and the bad, learning yeah. all about this because yeah. this drug is not going away. And so let's learn about it. So what would you say to a parent who has just recently found out or, or at least found in their children's, or when I say child, their teen's bedroom, a little baggie full of green stuff? And, and how do you think the parent should handle that? Because uh, I don't know how my parents would have handled it. They never had to deal with that with me. But it, it, I can only imagine my father would have clipped me one right around the back of the head. My mother would have cried a little bit and then taken the belt out, I suppose, <laughs> with the good old British belt. And uh, how do you think a parent should should deal with this problem? It's not a problem, but the, the situation when they find a, a baggie or, or then they suspect they're teen of um, smoking because pot. a lot of teens have tried this. And so there's not going to be one answer. It depends on the family dynamics, but it always communication. Talk to them and talk to them without the belt, <laughs> but find out... Uh, how often are they using it? Why are they using it? What does it make them feel? That And is there something else that can make them feel that way? Does it make them, does it give them confidence in a social situation or does it reduce their anxiety? Why are they doing this? And is there another option? You know, wait till your brain's developed and then when you're 26 and you want to revisit it, okay. But talk to them and, and find mm. out what is underlying it. And so, you know, get them educated on some of the bad things that can happen. And make sure they don't drive and, and all of that. Just talk to them. Well, they're not going to enter a, a car race if they're uh, smoking pot, are they? <laughs> there's going to be no winner. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly never-ending subject, isn't it? I and mean, I'm sure you're just digging into your career in, in this too. And I'm sure there's a long way to go in what we're going to learn about marijuana. And I, I am pretty much convinced. And, and I'm actually very annoyed that the government um, have lied to us for so long about the dangers of marijuana. It was obviously uh, was fine up until 1938. Uh, <laughs> it was no problem whatsoever. And I know that there's we've already covered a lot of these bases of, of, of the immigrants coming in from Mexico who were blamed uh, for the intake of or uptake in the usage of marijuana and also the the black population were of course were yes. very that they loved it and, and and why not i mean they've been suppressed their whole life why not smoke some pot and try and forget a little bit you know but, but um, the, with the, the governmental hypocrisy i gotta dive in here yeah since it's a schedule one drug one of the criteria is that it has no recognized medical uses the government has a patent on cannabis as a neuroprotectant and antioxidant. So the government has a patent saying it has medicinal properties <laughs> and therapeutic uses, but they're still saying it has no therapeutic uses. Hypocrisy. Total hypocrisy. Yeah. 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 So tell us about the degree, your degree, 
Okay, or, so or it is a major in integrated studies. Um, so it's you can't. We don't have a major in cannabis. Maybe one day that'll happen. But right now, it's a you're majoring in integrated studies. So you take which I I love integrated studies because the world is multidisciplinary and it you can't learn any one thing in a vacuum. But so you major in that, and we have let's see our classes. We have the basic overview. We have a basic course on drugs. We have can marijuana law botany and horticulture. We have cannabis culture, um, have one of the works for cannabis. Um, I'm going to teach one on the physiology and pharmacology of, of cannabis. We have, oh, another one that I'm blanking on, uh, chemistry, chemistry of cannabis. Uh -huh. um, so there's a few and internships. So those are the ones off the top of my head that we have either on the books now or in the works for next year. So what kind of jobs does this prepare students for? Uh, are, are, the, are the jobs in this industry good jobs? It depends which way you go. I mean, and one thing I've seen in this industry is people move up really quickly. Since it's such a fast-growing industry, you, you start maybe as a butt tender and, you know, three months later you're a manager. But hmm. one thing I, I find fascinating about this field is you can enter the cannabis industry from pretty much any major. So chemistry or you could be a physician or journalism. You can write for cannabis magazines or gosh, what else? Um, business, psychology, art, wow. um, journalism, business, physician, or a chef, you can make edibles. There's, I can't think of a single major here, engineering, you know, develop a new way to vape. Anything you can major in, they're looking for people in the cannabis industry. Psychiatry even, I, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, Although I sure. think they'll be a little bit more reticent about uh, marijuana than right. knowing that profession. So, but, but if anybody wants some more information on, on, on this degree, where, where should they go, Martha? We are still building our webpage. <laughs> so we are there. But <laughs> uh, it's almost there. It's going to be, it's almost up. Um, All right. Well, but, we'll, we'll make a note of it. And we'll, I, I hope we talk again because this has been, absolutely fascinating and i'm sure a lot of people have learned things that they they had learned wrong to begin with i certainly have picked up a few points and uh i'd like to thank you so 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 much you've, you've right, made this, this such a wonderful pleasure. and uh this is dr martin rosenthal who is a professor a professor of neuroscience and physiology at florida gulf coast university thank you once again martha i thank love you, you lots so much. and we'll speak again soon thank you Great. so much Thank Thanks you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Well done. Okay, that was fun. That, that was a lovely, was a, lovely, lovely time. That was a great show. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. That was fun. Yeah, I'd love to meet you at some point, Martha. Maybe in I'd the future. To. I'll walk in stoned out of my mind and you... <laughs> 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 hey, I'll dive in. I also teach human sexuality. So if you want to talk about sex, I can talk about sex. Let's do that next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Yay. Yeah.